You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we're discussing communication with our teenagers. I'm Ashley Parrish, and I'm joined by Jessica Pfeiffer and Dr. Ken Wilgus. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. So, Jessica, communication with teenagers. This is a big one. (laughs) It is. It is. I feel like every minute of my time with my kids is a struggle to communicate in a way that we understand each other. I feel like... It's so different. It's so different from communicating with your little ones. So this change has been eye-opening for me. I know that I have read and reread Dr. Ken's book (laughs) on this, this chapter of communication. It's so good. But don't you feel like this is like the main struggle for parents of teenagers? Absolutely. I think there are times where I ask for things from my kids. Uh, They don't understand what I'm asking for. They don't get, I try and draw them out. They don't respond. It's super frustrating. There are times that I just feel like we're speaking different languages. (laughs) Yes. I've said that exact same thing. Like, am I speaking Portuguese? Like I (laughs) I'm really confused. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm so glad that you are able to help us through this. I've enjoyed your book so much especially this portion on communication. So I'm thrilled that we get to spend some time here today discussing this. I know that you've got a lot of advice and wisdom to share with us because we need it, don't we, Jessica? Yes. (laughs) It comes up a lot. (laughs) Yes. Can we start with just simple communication. I ask for something simple with my kids. You know, I walk in the kitchen, there are dishes in the sink that are not mine. And I say, whose dishes are these? Somebody needs to come clean this up. And then I have an argumentative kid always. There's one in the group that says they're not mine, you know, or I was going to get to them later, you know, that sort of thing. How do we handle that sort of very basic, I need you to do this conversation that happens with our kids day to day, every day, we have things that need to be handled. All right. I'm really glad you brought that up because because there are different types of communication. And when you think about communication problem, it's really important to think about what category of communication am I having problems with? And I think most of what you guys just talked about is essentially communication from the authority to those who are under authority. And whether it's a kind, you know, a lot of parents try to do it nicely, like, hey, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but we need to kind of get place cleaned up. We try to sort of be gentle about it, but it's still going to be received by teenagers as, oh, is this something you're telling me I have to do? Or is this Mm -hmm. something you're just sharing? And they're very sensitive about the have to part. And so when you're talking about that kind of communication, again, I don't care how gently you're saying it. If it's a, I'm asking you, I'm telling you, I'm requiring you kind of communication, that sort of communication, believe it or not, it's best done with the fewer words, the better. Too often parents are hoping for a good long talk about just sharing household responsibilities. <laughs> Tell me what you think. And, you know, this this warm moment. Oh, and teenagers, oh. again, remember, teenagers are young adults. They are very poor, very inexperienced young adults. So if you had, say, your, I don't know, a cousin of yours, an adult cousin, say 30, living with you, and she left stuff in the sink, it would be a little awkward about how do I bring this up? Because she's an adult. Mm-hmm. We're still very comfortable with our teenagers, especially when they're young, you know, just talking the same way we did when they were eight. Hey, is this yours? Get in here. 
and teenagers are really bristle at the suggestion or the felt sense of really being kind of patronized, even humiliated by being talked down to. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that kind of communication, then really fewer words, the better. It is actually, even with nice kids, better to say, I'll give you guys 20 minutes to sort out whose dishes are whose. I think you're old enough to do that because otherwise after that, I'm going to have to come back, point out whose is whose, and I'm giving out consequences. So Try to be grown up and figure it out yourselves. I don't want to be a jerk about this. And then come back in 20 minutes and go, well, looks like we've still got this and this. So you lose your phone early tonight, like actually dole out, not huge, but some kind of consequence. But that's done better with fewer words. They don't like that kind of being told. And it's best to just put that into, you know, this is a thing I'm telling you have to do. And Mm -hmm. this is a consequence for it if I have to. The fewer words part may have been where I went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a few things to say about (laughs) about how much time I spend cleaning up everyone's dishes and this isn't fair and this isn't what I was born to do. I have a lot to say. And you want to see the tear in your teenager's eye. (laughs) Yes, they realize you, uh, they rise up and call you blessed. That's exactly uh, right. That, that won't happen yet. You may get that later, but not mm-hmm. while they're still trying to keep their head above water in this battle for autonomy. When will you say that it's time for me to handle things myself? So just be direct and give a consequence and leave the room and let it go. That's right. That's okay. right. Okay, good. Okay, Dr. Ken, so then my next question kind of stems from this too, because how do we handle communication when we're talking with our teenagers? and they're being disrespectful or just kind of just have this attitude back towards you. What do we do do about that? Okay, now remember, and that's a very good question. Attitude is a kind of a catch-all term for negative feelings that our teenagers have that we just think they shouldn't feel that. Well, they do. And, uh, you know, then mostly it is, uh, again, kind of an anger or shame mix of I don't care how nice you're being about this. I hate that you're telling me to do this thing reminding me, telling me how to, they don't like it. Now, that does not mean that they don't need it, but it does mean that no matter how much you give a speech about, listen, I am your mother. No teenager ever walks away going, yeah, that's a really good point. So that's (laughs) not communication. That's just speech making. So disrespect then. Later, we will talk about setting limits for teenagers. And that's mostly what you guys are talking about. Not communication, the kind of thing I want to try to encourage, but how to set limits. And in your example, Ashley, disrespect uh, is a rule that many parents need to put on the expectations list. You cannot be disrespectful, but we'll get to that. When it comes to communication, parents have to be super careful that you don't accidentally make a disrespect rule that basically says you cannot show anger toward us for reasons. That's not a fair rule. And it's easy to accidentally say that uh, when you're saying, you know, look, don't be showing me that attitude. Well, you mean, I think this is a crazy thing you're telling me to do. And I'm very humiliated and upset that you're telling me that. Yeah, that's the thing. If you feel that, don't show it or you'll be in trouble. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. not a good idea. Disrespect certainly includes things like name calling and giving me direct orders, and we'll get to that. But okay. keep in mind that what looks like attitude does come from something. It is not something that they need to just get over. Teenagers are feeling usually controlled in areas that they think that it is time for me to use my own judgment in that. And when you can, you want to try to leave that to their own judgment. But when you don't leave it to their judgment, like we talked about with Jessica, then 
and you use few words and even don't be afraid to get to the small consequence if you have to for small things rather than, you know, let's have a lengthy thing where I just talk them into reasonable behavior. That gets into the worst arguments of all. Mm-hmm. I like how you have separated and differentiated the two because I feel like, at least for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, that nope. I kind of lump all of those together. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, communication yeah. as a whole. And you kind of have this communication umbrella. Yes. I, I like how you're separating the two. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that important. up. Yeah. And the reason, because this type that you're talking about is the least influential of communication. The type that we're, that I want to talk about is how to get them to talk to you, to share about what's going on, and you be able to talk about your concerns for things in a free-flowing way. This mm-hmm. that we're talking about, and parents need to know this, is the least effective. When something huge has happened, your kid is sent home from school because they have a knife in their backpack. I don't know. Something that's really big. Parents really want to have a come-to-Jesus meeting, which really is coming to your parents' meeting. I want us to really talk it out. And you can have literally hours of talk that is almost completely forgotten in less than a day by the teenager. Mm -hmm. Those are not the times for big communication. It does not register at those points. That's the time for fewer words. Be clear about what the consequences are or are not, and then move on so that in the right moments, you can have good communication, really open talk. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I know that I read that section lecturing isn't communicating several times. I'm not sure why it's so hard for me to understand. (laughs) I'm telling you, as a father, I can tell you it's hard to understand because I had great speeches. Right? I wanted to hear them. And parents come and tell me that. They'll come to my office and they love to repeat their entire speech. I will literally say, okay, okay, I get that. And they'll go, no, wait. And they'll finish the speech. Even the teenager didn't hear. I don't want to hear it. But Mm -hmm. I love I just felt like I was very eloquent. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. So about the deeper communication we want to have with our kids. I know there are times where I ask a direct question about things that are going on in their world. How was your day at school? I get little to no response, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or if I, you wouldn't understand anyway, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. Don't, you know, they kind of brush me off. And it, and it varies from kid to kid. That's why <laughs> God often gives us more than one kid so we can feel like, well, at least I'm doing well with this one. <laughs> one kid that gets in the car and just tells you everything everything that's going on and you feel like, hey, I know what's up with him or her. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other kid that you're like, so did you talk to the teacher? Yeah. How'd it go? Fun. And you're like, what? Tell me something. And the worst is when you've had a kid that used to get in and was so cheery and talked and now she's a teenager and I can hardly get anything from her. That's what's mostly yes. pretty upsetting is that it just changes all of a sudden. And it's sort of hurtful as a parent. You take it personally. That's right. And it's always a good kickoff point for a speech. Not mm-hmm. helpful, but still, <laughs> I have borne you into this world and I love you. And But it doesn't help because there are important things that you need to assess as to what is the problem here. Like Mm -hmm. teenage communication problems do not come from nowhere. And it is important to try to first discern, well, what problem are we really having here uh, Mm -hmm. to know what to do about it? Because again, making a speech that you should talk to me isn't going to help anything. Mm -hmm. So then how do we break that barrier? How do we 
talk to our teenagers and persuade them to talk back to us? How do we open okay. that? That's the that's the key point is first knowing what is the problem here. And I can tell you, as you, if you've been following along, you certainly know from the book, the most likely problem you're having is a control battle. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, I want to talk to you about your school day, for example, and your teenager perceives that you're a cop in an interview room asking for potential uh, evidence that we might book you on or take you in. And so if they assume that you are monitoring, checking, reviewing, and so forth, then the most common, obviously, response to that is, I don't want to tell you stuff in case you lecture me or restrict me or whatever. So Mm -hmm. that's why one of the main goals of planned emancipation, where you clearly state this thing or that thing is not up to us anymore, like your choice of friends is not up to us, it's up to you. How you manage school as long as you keep your grades within a certain limit, which we talked about when we talked about school. Giving the clear statement that this is up to you, one of the main goals of that is so that then when you ask about, hey, I hadn't seen that guy before. Is that a friend of yours or what? Then you can be more clearly not asking as a cop. You are not armed. I've already Mm -hmm. told you this is your deal. And I'm just really asking. And so that is uh, one of the main things. uh, If you're having a problem with them feeling like you are checking in on them in a controlling way, then that's one of the main purposes of planned emancipation so that you can be more freely able to talk to them without them feeling like you are trying to control them. Okay, so shifting this conversation from, hey, how was your day, to tell me a little more, how do I do that specifically? What? How do you like to phrase things so that the kids are hearing me and understanding and wanting to communicate back? Yeah, that's a good question, because when you're if you're dealing with a control issue, then you sometimes have to remind your teenager, you know, like, how was school? Fine. Well, did you do your test? You fine. I, I did fine. You know, then mm-hmm. you might say, son, I already told you this. You know, you're 16. We've already told you you're too old to answer to us to how you do in school or how you manage school. So I'm just really asking. And if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. But, you know, it does bug me when you're this irritated with me. I was just asking. And again, normally or often, as long as you remind them that I promise I'm not a cop, then that can help and they can be more open about it. I think the other thing to be careful with is how you respond. Teenagers will tell you stuff that you'll feel like, oh, okay, uh, I need to teach a lesson on this. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can shut the door back down again by claiming that it's up to you. But if you keep taking what they tell you as a kickoff point for your little lesson on how you should really manage friendships or did you study enough because I don't think you study, then it'll shut back down again. So you have to learn to really just listen and reflect back without inserting your opinion all the time. And that can be tough for parents. Sometimes parents have to practice that. Actually listening to something that you don't agree with, but you don't have to teach every time. If you want to keep the communication open, you need to be careful that you don't teach or instruct every time you hear something that you don't think is a good idea. I think that's my biggest thing that I'm constantly trying to catch myself on and work on. Yes. Well, and that's the most common recommendation I talk about. I'd say a huge percent as teenagers get older, what parents are just, quote, trying to talk about is things that you really just want to advise them about. I'm not telling you about your boyfriend because I'm about to ground you from ever being with him, but I just don't like the way he, you know, whatever. It's not a have to, it's advice. And so I have a whole thing in the book about how to actually give advice. And advice giving is a particular skill that you really have to kind of 
start and end by reminding them that the words I'm telling you are my opinion and you Mm -hmm. may disagree and that's fine with me. I would get that. And then you say the thing, you know, and then I would finish with, but listen, that's just me. And you may think that's stupid, but that's my feeling about it. Advice giving is really taking down the authority of what you're saying, trying to make sure you're owning it. And I'm just talking about this event, not life in general. Mm -hmm. And the thing that parents don't often recognize is you do that so that they will hear you. It actually increases the chance of them hearing you. I think it's like trying to swallow a very large pill. If you cut the front and back off of it, they can swallow it because Mm -hmm. parents often think that the way to really get it through to them is a kind of angry little speech about, look, boys only want one thing and you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not effective. It reduces their chance of really hearing you. So learning how to give advice is a common thing I talk to parents about. Turn your speech into advice and there's a good chance that your teenager will swallow it. Mm -hmm. I think that might be the most important thing we discussed today is just learning how to take, you know, a situation and diffuse the battle for control by saying, it's not up to me, you can do whatever you want. But it it would hurt my feelings if my friend had said that about me, you yes. know, and, and leaving. Yes. But, you know, you're old enough to handle it however you think is best. Yes. And giving it back to them, allowing them to see that they have control in it, but that you had an opinion on the situation and you you offered it just as you would have a, a friend. And that's powerful adult to adult stuff. So let me finish by this. You know, Jessica, when you started, you mentioned a hypothetical of telling your kids, hey, there's a bunch of dishes in the sink and they're not mine. And I would appreciate if you, you know, let's say that you carry that out 20 minutes later, you actually have to come in and issue a couple of consequences and whatever, and they're mad at you. You know, you could wait till the next day and take the oldest teenager, if there's at least one teenager in that situation, and take that teenager aside and say, listen, can I just mention about yesterday? And you can blow me off if you want, but I always kind of hope that you'll take the lead with the younger kids and things like that. And you don't have to, but I, I just want you to know that I just wish that you would think about that more because you're older. Teenagers love that. You're older and And you may think I'm ridiculous and I get that, but I just wanted you to know that I get a little extra disappointed when I don't see you doing that because I think you have influence over your sibling. And again, that teenager is going to go, they they don't listen to me. uh, Maybe you're right. You're not going to get into a fight about it. But I'm just saying that for me, that's something I wish for more with you. But you may think I'm stupid with that and that's fine. That's advice giving that is powerful rather than a lecture or whatever, uh, you can combine the two. I only, you know, I'll do a consequence when I have to, but then the next day, maybe talk about, you know, kind of how you feel about that with your teenager. There have been so many things covered here that I've really taken a lot from, but I still have more questions. And I Mm. think that's probably common. There are probably (laughs) a lot of things that we have to discuss about our communication with our kids. Is there a possibility that we could carry this conversation again to the next episode? I'm not going to require it, but I would suggest, <laughs> in my opinion, that that's a very good idea. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. yes. Good. <laughs> well, thank you both for being here today. I appreciate your words of wisdom and your thoughts, and I look forward to carrying this conversation forward next week. Talk to you all later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com. 